All right, a couple uh, other. I, I asked uh, Clarence to stand up here because he has a per, uh, not per, a praise report to give. And then uh, Linda also has one too. I want to share these with you because I was excited to hear Linda's on Thursday, on Wednesday night, and then uh, really excited to hear Clarence's today. And so I want to share these with the church because this is how our God works, right? And so Clarence, go ahead and give your. I have to be over your shoulder though. There we go. That's, it's like it's like me, yeah. me right here on your shoulder. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, you all know that back several months ago, I came up for prayer for diabetes. I was diagnosed. And it was pretty bad at that time. They gave me different medications. They made me sick or were either too expensive. I couldn't afford them. But when the prayer was answered, that day when I was laid hands on, I felt something happen. I knew I was healed. It was just a matter of time. Well, the time came. I went last week. My sugar is normal. It's fine. No, I'm not a diabetic. I mean, I have to watch my diet, yes. But I'm not a diabetic. I don't have to do the testing. I don't have to take medicines. The Lord took care of it, just like His promises. In the song we said, the miracle worker, the promise keeper. He's definitely that. Amen to that. Thank you. Now, Linda, come on up. I don't think you should invite Clarence to go to a donut at Dunkin' Donuts, though, still. I mean, uh, let's, let, but that's an awesome uh, prayer request and just an exciting one because I know we've been praying for Clarence on that. Uh, can I use this wired mic? Or one of the wireless ones? Uh, I'll grab it. Okay. Grab one. Yeah, go and grab mine. Then, then you, I don't have to be on your shoulder, Linda. How's that? Okay. okay. I'll be like your parrot, you know? There you go. Yeah, don't bite my ear like I will bite your ear. <laughs> Well, a couple months ago, we, we all started prayer for my liver, and I was diagnosed with a complex cyst, and I started to have a lot of problems in a couple spots, and um, I finally, they got me in early to see the liver doctor, and with all the prayers and things, it came up. Um, that there wasn't any cyst at all. Now, a complex cyst doesn't go away. It just doesn't disappear. It'll drain and then fill up again. It's like kind of a hard thing. It's, it doesn't just, like the simple ones will disappear, but the complex one you have to remove. And sometimes they just drain them and let them fill again, but mine was pretty big. They were going to probably have to remove it. So when I got that test back, I thought for sure he was reading someone else's, and I just had another test done. And that test came back that it was, it, that doctor said, I don't know, some good's going on at your house because it's gone. Not only that, just like Clarence, my A1C had been 6.5, it's now 5.5. So it went way down. Every part that's from here to here, from here to here, is like I'm 20 years old again. Of course, my bones don't know that. <laughs> my muscles don't know that yet but they're going to catch up to the rest of me I'm sure and that is what prayers and that is what the Lord has done for me I don't know what he has in store for me because they say he's got a plan for me to finish some more stuff That's right. so it's got to be good So, Amen I love to give uh, prayer requests or uh, praise reports like that, and let people do that because that's an awesome uh, testimony to how just how wonderful God is and how God heals us. 
So, you know, he does make a way, he does make a, a, a promise, and that he will heal us when uh, we are sick. I also have one other quick announcement. The ladies were giving me a hard time about this because, I, you know, I made a mention about the men's group and, and uh, how exciting the breakfast is going to be and uh, failed to mention that the ladies are having uh, a woman's game night on Saturday, February 8th at Bonnie uh, Bowman's house. Raise your hand. Wave to everyone. Bonnie. Uh, if you don't know Bonnie, she's uh, hilarious, so you should get to know her. Um, but uh, she will have a game night at her house at 6 o'clock, and you're required to bring a game. Well, you don't have to, but if you have one, you want a, a supply and an appetizer. You're required to bring a game and an appetizer. <laughs> no, no, bring a game if you want to play a game, but uh, bring a game and an appetizer, and uh, the ladies will have fun doing that. You're going to play games, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 2. Is she good? She, someone's with her? Okay. All right. Uh, for o- over almost 14 years, I've been preaching messages uh, as a pastor of a church and, and um, talking about how awesome God is and how... He does some amazing things, and just see, just today, I mean, hearing the testimonies from Linda and Clarence is amazing testimonies, just how wonderful God is, and how wonderful He does things. I have preached on how God uses us to get His will done, I have preached on how wonderful God is, giving Him blessings and honors, and how we need to be at His feet. I have preached on how God doesn't care who you are and what you have done, if you're willing to submit yourself to Him he will use you for greater for his greater purpose. Having said that, I've never preached on this topic before. And the topic basically is this. You know that scripture shows us a story that God used a prostitute and a liar to get his will done. And this is something that I, I uh, have had boiling up kind of inside my heart a little bit to preach on because I think many people, when you hear about God and you think about God and you think about how God is using people, you always think about how good you have to be for God to use you. You know, one of the things I often hear from people say is that I'm just not quite, I don't know enough yet. I don't, I'm not good enough yet. I'm not this, I'm not that. There's always these, these uh, limits that we put on ourselves to put ourselves in this place of allowing God to use us. Well, to be honest with you, God doesn't care where you're at. He doesn't care what you're doing. It's very clearly and very obvious from today's uh, passage that we find that God will even use a prostitute, and by the way, a liar, to do his will. The important part is not what you have done. The important part is not what you can do. The important part is not, the important part is what it gets down to is where your heart is at. And that's what we learned from this story. The story of Rahab, the prostitute, or the harlot, as some translations say, in Scripture is is a really awesome story because it shows that God is willing to use you if you're willing to be used. If you have a heart, if you have a mind that's willing to say, God, I will allow you to use me, he will use you. Today's story might be a difficult one for people to hear because, I mean, listen, not often you come to church and you hear about the pastor saying a prostitute, right? But the truth of the matter is, is that God will use even someone who is maybe not in the most desirable place in their life. 
<coughs> but let me ask you a question. Do you know the magnitude of this? If you truly understand that God is willing to use Rahab for what he did in Scripture, then there's no excuses for you to sit here and say, God can't use me because I'm not ready to be used yet. There's no excuse for you. Clearly obvious in Scripture, Rahab is there, and Rahab is showing and, and saying, allowing God to use her to save these spies from Israel, which we'll read in a moment. But there's, there's absolutely no excuse for us if we truly believe that God used Rahab, then there's no excuses for us. You have no excuse. If God can use Rahab, then what's your excuse for him not being able to use you? Is the question we have to ask ourselves today. Let's be encouraged as we look at how God is even going to use Rahab and going to use us, even though our downfallings and our mistakes and all those things in our life may not be where we need them to be. It may not be where we want to be. But God will still use us if we allow ourselves to be willing to be used. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this place. We thank you for all that you have done. Lord, we pray even now for Brittany that you just heal her and help her, whatever's going on in the name of Jesus. We just ask you for a blessing upon her and her life, Father, right now. Keep her safe, Father. And Lord, we also pray today that as we share this message as I share these words that you have given to me, that you would bless our time together, that you would help us to see that we have no excuses for not being used. Father, all we have to have is a willing heart, a willing heart that's willing to turn towards you and say who you are. So Father, I pray, remove all our hindrances, move all our stumbling blocks, remove all those things from our mind that keep us from hearing from you and knowing that you are directing us in our path today. Protect us, guide us, and strengthen us in this place. We ask you, Lord, I ask, Father, today that you would just bless this message. I've done and prepared as much as I can. Now I ask you, Holy Spirit, to do what you do best. Inhabit my words. Let me speak the words that you would have to say to us today. We shall, and we should, and will always give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 2. We're going to be starting in verse 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. Now, wait a minute. Let me, let me pause there. I can't go on reading the rest of this without making a comment here, right? So you have two spies from Israel that are leaving Israel, and they're going to look upon the land of Jericho. If you remember correctly, and what we learned from Joshua chapter 1 was that Joshua is now the new leader of Israel. Moses has passed on, and now Joshua is leading his, his uh, country, his people, in and will eventually lead them over the Jordan into the promised land. And what he's doing and what he's asking is for spies to leave there and go into the land of Jericho to see. Jericho is the first city that they would come to and the first city that God would call them to actually take as ownership, and that'll be a later sermon for a later day. But before going there, what Joshua does is he sends out spies. Now, I know when I read the scripture, it's interesting, I guess that's a good word to say, interesting, that these two spies find themselves in the home of a prostitute. Now, 
before you go and take this to a different level, yes, the two men were spies, the spies were men, and yes, they were going there. Before you take that to say, did they stop by Rahab's house for a little visit before they went into the city to view things and, and do something they shouldn't do? Before you go to that place, you have to understand what's going on. And I, I feel a need to answer this question. The men didn't just happen to stop by Rahab's house because they wanted a visit for Rahab. During this time, and what you find later on in this verse in, in Joshua chapter 2, you'll find that Rahab's home was actually built into the walls of Jericho. And that was for a reason. Her job as a harlot or her job as a prostitute meant she had to know who was coming and who was going from the city. She had to know the men and, and, and those that would travel, and so she wanted to be there. She wanted to do her job, if you will, and I hope I, I hope let the hearer have ears to hear without me having to say anything more. But her home was built into the walls, and so the, the spies who came upon Jericho didn't just happen to stumble upon Rahab's home. No, they, this would be the first place they would come. Now, they could have, and here is God's miracle-working power, the way-maker, if you will, they could have come at any other place along the wall. The walls of Jericho were long and wide, and they, were, they, were, they went completely around the whole entire city. So these men could have literally ended up at a different place on the wall and never even came close to seeing Rahab. Yet, they found themselves by Rahab's home. Scripture says, and they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. Now, I can't imagine the conversation that they had. You know, do they knock on the door of Rahab and say, hey, we are spies. Can you let us in? Or are they there just searching and Rahab, being the observant one, goes out and says, what are you guys here for? And, and figures out that they're not here for the typical. They're not the typical visitors who come in and out of the city. Either way, God has orchestrated this event so these spies land to the person in Jericho that God is willing and able to use and that has a willing heart to be used. And that alone is a way maker, a miracle working God, a God that does amazing things. Even when you come against a city and there's only one person in that city that would probably stand for you and be used by God, it happens to be Rahab that these men come to. I don't know about you, but this truly screams of God's Blessing upon these men. God's hand touching these men. But let's move on. Verse 2, and, and it was told to King Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them, and she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do, not where, I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly and you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and all the inhabitants of the land melt before you. 
For we have heard how the Lord dried up the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Shion and Og, whom you have devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from the death. And the men said to her, our our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she led them down, down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there for three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward you may go your way. The men said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you will let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if your hand, but if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But I will tell you this business of ours. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you made us swear. And she said, according to your word, so be it. Then she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Now before we get into the life of Rahab and, and how wonderful she is, I feel the need to also answer another question. You know, answering the question about how did the spies end up in the home of a prostitute, but also I feel like answering I need that I need to answer this question. Rahab obviously lies to the king of Jericho. She flat out lies. She knows that the men are up on her on her roof and, and she's speaking about the men and she's saying the men are not there, they have left. There is never I and I have to I, some people will read this, and I've even read some things. Uh, recently from books where people said God doesn't frown on her lie because he was saving the Israelite people. May I make something very clear to you? It is never, ever okay to lie. Never. God hates lies. Lying is never okay. Even in this case with Rahab, it is not okay for Rahab to lie uh, to his king. Even though it was going to save the lives of the the uh, Israel spies, it's not okay. Proverbs chapter 6 tells us that God despises. In fact, he goes even a little bit deeper. He doesn't just say despise. He hates the lie and he despises a false tongue. Over and over and over again in Scripture, you can find where it says the lying tongue is bad and it's not okay. In this Scripture, it makes it seem almost like lying is okay. God is truth. He's always been truth, and he always will be truth. And he wants his followers to stand in truth also. So even in the case of Rahab, it was not okay for her to lie. 
It's not okay for her to tell a lie. It's not okay for you to tell a little white lie. You know, we always pass these things on. It's not okay for me to stand up here and say, yeah, I caught that fish this weekend and it was this big. Really, it wasn't any bigger than my hand, but it was really this big, right? That's not okay. Exaggerations are not, are, are not okay. Lies, little white lies are not okay. It's just not. God doesn't want us to do that. So how do we... With saying that, how do we come to a place of dealing with how does this Rahab lie and then God still ends up using her? The truth of the matter is God uses her and us despite our sins and our current state of life. His will is not dependent on us and our current place in life. His will and what is going to happen in this world isn't dependent on what you and I do. It never was and never will be. Does he want to use us? Yes, he does want to use us. He wants us to be willing to be used. He wants us to go out into the marketplace. He wants us to go out into our families and our loved ones and share how great he is and share wonderful things and see many blessings. But ultimately, it doesn't just fall on our, on our shoulders. God's will is going to be done regardless of what it is. His will, his good and perfect will has to be done. Now, it's really hard to comprehend this, but the truth of the matter is is that your current state of life and what you're doing right now doesn't really matter whether God's going to be successful or not. Now, that doesn't give us an excuse to go out and do absolutely nothing because it doesn't matter. God's going to do whatever he wants anyway, right? So I can sit here and watch TV. I can say what I want. I can eat what I want. No, you can't. What Rahab shows us is that it has nothing to do with our action, but it just completes the whole idea of Jesus coming down, and it's about the relationship that Rahab was forming with God that matters most. Do you understand that this is the very first, this is the very first moment in time when God begins to build a relationship with someone who had no idea Someone's life who was so bad, so crazy, that you would think he would never use her. But he does. See, God is willing to use less than perfect people. And if he is, then what is keeping you from being used by God? See, the truth of the matter is is that oftentimes it's our own self that keeps us from being used by God. We stop God from using us because we don't want to, we don't want to go through the trouble, basically, of, of going out of our comfort zone. It's our comfort little, we have this little box that we're comfortable in operating in, and we don't want to go outside of that. Don't ask me to have faith beyond my needs. Don't ask me to go to the doctor. And when the doc, what do you say to, see, I, I believe sometimes God allows us to go through these medical issues like what Clarence and, and Linda went through because he wants us to see how wonderful he is. And he challenges us to say, do you believe what the doctors say or do you believe that I'm a healing God? And we have to make that choice. Now, all the rest of us in here should celebrate and, and learn from Clarence and Mary, Right? Because we didn't have to go through a, a doctor saying, oh, you have complex this, not zits, cysts. In, you may have complex zits too, I don't know. But you don't have complex cysts in your liver. We should learn from that. We should be excited about that. But see, the truth of the matter is God wants to have a relationship with us. And he wants us to learn how wonderful he is. And he wants us to be willing to be used by him. The crux of the conversation, the crux of the thought that we have to come to grips with today is that if God is willing to use those 
who are not perfect, if he's willing to use a prostitute who lies, then why can't or why isn't he using you? So if you're sitting here today and you're asking yourself, I don't feel like God is using me. I don't feel like I'm seeing miracles happen. I don't feel like I'm seeing the things that I want to see happen in my life. I don't feel like God, then it's really on to us to ask the Lord, why am I not being used? What is it that I'm stopping from allowing you to use me today? God can use you despite of your lying tongue. God can use you despite your not-so-good choices. God wants you to be blessed and delivered. He wants you to be set free. God wants to see his kingdom advanced. He wants to use you to see that kingdom advance and see that kingdom grow. But sometimes our actions, our thoughts, our individuality, if you will, keeps us from ever allowing that to happen. Because we make choices to say, no, God, I'm not going to do that. We make choices of when you're sitting in, now I haven't, this is many years ago, many, many years ago, I was sitting in a, in a barber shop and, and uh, get my hair cut. You know, I don't get it much, cut much these days, but uh, I was getting my hair cut and I was sitting there and the Lord told me beyond a shadow of a doubt, I needed to share my faith with the lady that was cutting my hair. And I was so embarrassed because I'm thinking, how do I start this conversation? You know, how do you do this? And, 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 and yeah, I knew how to do it. But I was like, I'm just enjoying You know, you sit down and you get your hair cut. You just like to sometimes enjoy it, right? And I'm thinking to myself, how do I want to start this conversation now? And so I didn't. I chose not to. I chose not to. And as I walked out of that, hair, out of that um, barbershop and I got in my car and I started driving away, the Lord spoke so clearly to me and he said, you failed an opportunity that I had given to you because you chose not to do this. The truth of the matter is is that more often than not, we choose not to follow God, then God is always there beside us. He never abandons us. He's always with us. But we choose not to follow him. We make up excuses like saying, I'm just so busy. My work schedule is so crazy. I don't get enough time to relax and I need my time off and I need to watch my TV show or I need to do this or we spend all this time doing things that mean absolutely nothing. But when we really had time to do what God had called us to do, we chose not to do it. It's really our choice. It's not what you've done. It's not who you are. It's your choice to follow him or not. Verse 8 says, Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and the fear of you has fallen upon us and all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. What is Rahab doing at this time? Rahab is speaking to the spies and she is doing one of the best. uh, She's laying out a beautiful theology is what she's doing. She's for someone who... By the way, she's a Canaanite woman, and so what that means is that they are despised by Israelites. Canaanites and, and, and Israelites do not get along. They're, they're mortal enemies, and eventually what happens when the walls of Jericho fall, all of these people will be killed by the hands of Israel, which we'll learn about in a couple weeks. But the truth of the matter is that they do not get along, and so just the very fact that she's speaking to these people mean a lot. But she is beginning to share this beautiful theology, and she says, what the Lord has done, and the land has melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Seas before you came out of Egypt. Now, may I, may I just, how long did the people of Israel 
walk in the desert? Anyone know? 40 years. So 40 years, this story has been told over and over and over and over again in Jericho. We don't know how old Rahab is. All we know is that she knows the story of the Red Sea. Verse 11 says, And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and with, there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens and on the earth beneath. Now may I, under, may I tell you something? They had a, Rahab has a better understanding of who God is than most people in the world today. And she's a prostitute and a liar. Do you understand that Rahab could beautifully stand up here and tell you exactly who God was? She does that already. She says, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth below. So what Rahab is doing is Rahab is pronouncing her belief in a heavenly father. She is saying there is one God. He's the God in heaven and the God on earth. If you understand scripture at all and you have any theological base at all, you would understand that over and over and over again in scripture, it talks about God is one. Rahab should have never been in this place. Rahab should have never known these things, but somehow God moved on Rahab's heart. God had made an impression on Rahab such that she could stand before these Israelites and tell them that God is the God of heaven on earth. Now this is a big thing because Rahab is required as a Canaanite, never mind, Canaanite, thank you, to worship other gods. There are many different gods. They, did, they had gods of fertility and gods of all of these things. And so she's required to do this. But what she's doing is she's standing before these Israelites and saying, I do not stand and I do not worship these gods. I worship the one true God, the God who is in heaven and the God who is on earth. See, the question that we must ask ourselves today is do we really know who God is even though we may not be living the way that we should? See, the very fact that Rahab knew that God is the God of heaven and God on earth means that Rahab had an understanding of exactly who God was. Rahab was able to live out a life and live out her life and, and begin to build this. Rahab was on a journey. Rahab was beginning, I don't know what stage of life Rahab was at or where she was at in her journey of faith, but it was a pretty developed faith at this moment in time. And maybe it was out of simple protection that she didn't want to be killed because she knew the destruction that was eventually coming to Jericho because of the destruction that went all around her. But she at least could stand before these men and say, there is a Lord your God and he is the God of heaven above and the heavens and the earth below. God used Rahab because of her heart, not because of what she did. Rahab had a heart that could fathom who God was. Rahab had a heart to worship God. Yeah, she was living a life that she should have never lived. Prostitution was as much as a sin then as it is today. It was not good. It was not something that you should have operated in. It was something that people looked down upon you. But Rahab was still used by God. Yeah, Rahab was a liar, and she told a lie to the king of Jericho. Yet God still used her. It's not about who you are or what you've done. 
It's really about what you believe in your heart. See, there's times in my life that I am out doing something and, and, I, and I'm experiencing something or I'm doing something that I maybe shouldn't be doing. And I feel bad about that and I, and I stop. The Holy Spirit speaks to me and it speaks to you in your ear. You know that little feeling that goes, you shouldn't be doing that. Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't say those things. And when you hear that, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That's, that's the presence that we have today. He's here with us. He's walking with us. He's our helpmate. He's the one that guides us and directs us. But when we do that, it's really not about the action. We can stop and turn away from that, right? And we can be delivered from that evil thought or, or those things that we're going to operate in. But it's really what's at our heart at that moment in time. See, this is the very picture of who Jesus is and why he came to this earth. Jesus came to this earth because he wanted to save sinners. He wanted to save prostitutes. He wanted to save liars. He wanted to save people who would say they're too lazy or too quiet or too busy to do the work that God has called me to do. He wanted to save those that don't deserve to be saved. He wanted to save all. He loved us so much so. God so loved the earth that he gave his only begotten son. This picture is a beautiful picture because this is, this is really a picture of how Jesus feels about us. God is willing to use Rahab, even though she doesn't deserve to be used. But the most wonderful thing about this whole story is that God is willing to use you, even though you feel like you may not be willing or may not be in a place that you can be used. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've said. It doesn't matter all of those things. All of those things don't matter. What matters now is what's in your heart and how you're moving forward. I like to say this oftentimes when I'm counseling people. I like to say this all the time. We're all on a journey. We're all on a journey to to get to a place that God is calling us to get. He's calling us to proceed and move forward. And we're we're all on this journey. Some of us have just started this journey. Some of us are just a few days, a few months, a few years old, and we've been there. Some of us have been on this journey for years, but we really haven't taken the steps that we needed to take. Others have been on this journey for many years, and they're growing and maturing and walking with the Lord. We're all on that journey. Are you going to make mistakes? Yeah, you're going to make mistakes. Are you going to slip up? Yeah, you're going to slip up. Does that mean God can't use you? No, God will use even those who are sinners. As long as your heart is aligned with his. One of the things that I love about this story, the story of Rahab, is that when you read this story of Rahab, where does it leave you? When I read this story of Rahab and I see these things and how she took the 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 um, she took the risk. You know, if she took that risk, she was never guaranteed that this was going to happen. She was never guaranteed that the king of Jericho wasn't going to come back and say, "You lied to us, and now you shall die." She made a she made a pact. She made a. Uh, uh, um, she made a decision with the Israelites and they stood by it. We'll hear about this story and how the finishing of this story later in a few weeks. But the truth of the matter is, is that Rahab didn't have to choose to follow God. It would have been just as easy for Rahab to turn these men over to the king of Jericho. To say, you know what? 
you are foreigners in our land. You don't belong here. King of Jericho, they're on my roof. Go do what you need to do with them. But she didn't. There's something moved her. There's something that happened inside of her heart. There's something that was boiling up inside of her that caused her to follow after God. And see, the truth of the matter is, if we would all be truthful with ourselves, and we would all look to our hearts and look to the inside of us, we know when we're in the midst of doing something wrong. We know when we're in the midst of not doing what's correct. Because there's something that boils up inside of us, something that's calling upon our heart to to challenge us to take the right steps, to do the right things, to go the right places. But it's our choice. The most wonderful thing about God is that God doesn't force us to do anything. He's a gentleman. He gives you the choice to follow him. He gives you the choice to say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. You're so awesome and so great. I will do whatever it takes to follow you. And then they begin. And you begin to have that journey closer to him. The story of Rahab is a story that should ring true in all of our hearts. The story of how someone who is so, what we'd call sinful, can be used by God. None of us in this room have an excuse. None of us listening to this online or listening to this wherever you're at, whenever you hear this message or read the story of Rahab, it should ring true that you have no excuses. The excuse that you're not good enough just doesn't cut it. (laughs) Sorry. The excuse is, that I don't want to risk everything, just doesn't cut it. God risked everything for you. Rahab risks all of her whole entire life and all of her family. And here's the greatest thing about this story of Rahab, and this is where I'm going to begin to close. The story of Rahab is not just simply about Rahab. Do you understand it? Rahab did take the risk of, 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 of making this deal, if you will, with the Israelites speaking to the king of Jericho and telling the king of Jericho that these men had gone and they'd gone somewhere else. And she took this risk and then she shares this beautiful theology with the the Israelites. She took this risk. But you know what? You know what happened? Her whole entire family was made clean. Her whole entire family was delivered by Rahab. The choices you make today have an impact on your family tomorrow. The choices you make today to follow God will forever true ring in, will forever ring true in the life of your family. You understand that if you make a choice to follow God, you're not just making a choice to follow God in yourself. You're making a choice to follow God in your family's life. Everyone around you will change. Everything will change, and it should. When your life changes for God and God comes into your heart and he touches you and he, and he makes a difference, then you should understand that it's going to make a difference, not just in you, but it's going to make a difference in all of your family. Rahab says that you will save, that you'll save alive my father, mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them. 
and deliver our lives from death. Do you understand that this was not just Rahab's mom and dad? This was Rahab's mom and dad, brothers and sisters. This was not just Rahab's mom and dad, brothers and sisters. This was Rahab's mom and dad, brothers, sisters, and their kids and their wives and everyone else associated with them. I could imagine that on the day that Israelites came, Rahab's house was pretty packed full. But can I also tell you that when you give your life to Christ and you decide to make a difference and you decide to allow God to use you, there's something that changes not only inside of you, but there's something that catches on fire around the family, around your family too. You have an opportunity to put your hands around your family and say, I'm going to protect them and I'm going to allow God to use me. And as God uses me, he's also going to use my family and he is also going to be there. I can't begin to even explain this process to you other than God wants to honor us as we honor those around us. God wants to use you, but he wants you to be used within your family as well. Over and over and over again in Scripture, we find that not just the person who had an interaction with Jesus or God was changed, but their whole entire family was changed. If you go to the book of Acts, almost every story in the book of Acts where where that person was saved, their family was also saved too. The New Testament, over and over and over again, we find in the New Testament, stories after stories after stories, when God touched that person, everybody in the family was touched too. Today, may I encourage you that when you allow God to use you, what you're doing is actually given an opportunity to share the gospel with the people of your family. To let them see the difference. That day when the Israelites came and the walls of Jericho fell down, And here is Rahab's family standing in the middle of this wall. Now, isn't that interesting, by the way? Remember how I told you Rahab lived inside the wall? What came crashing down in the walls of Jericho? The walls, right? The only thing that didn't come crashing down was Rahab's home. She was saved from all of that. What a story! Could you imagine as the walls are starting to crumble and shake and the ground below them is shaking and her family's inside and Rahab's going, it's okay, the Lord your God is with us. The God who is in heaven and the God who is on earth. And in the most simplest way that she could, she's describing this, what's going on to the walls around them, to her family and the difference that she's making. See, the difference is is that when we act to allow God to use us, it will change our family and everyone around us. If we would just allow God to use us, he will change your family as well. Then ask the worship team to come. Rahab, the harlot. Rahab, the prostitute. Rahab, the liar. Rahab, the Canaanite. The hated rivals of Israel. She was used by God. You know that she wasn't just used by God during the time of the walls of Jericho falling? You turn to Matthew chapter 1, and I won't. You can turn there if you want to. But do you know Jesus would never have been on this earth if it wasn't for Rahab, the prostitute? God so wants to use you that he's even willing to use a prostitute and a liar to bring the greatest salvation that this earth ever had and ever needed to this earth through her. Rahab was in that genealogy of Jesus, if you will. Rahab was eventually the mother of Boaz, 
It was another wonderful story. If you go and read Old Testament, read the story of Boaz, it's an amazing story. But it shows exactly how the, the, the genealogy, the life of Rahab changed dramatically from that point forward. Rahab was a prostitute. Rahab was a liar, but she was also part of Jesus' family. The reason why Jesus was here was because Rahab was part of it. It's really hard to understand that Jesus will not only use you, but he'll also use a prostitute and a liar to come. God's going to use Rahab to bring Jesus to this earth, and he did. It's an amazing thing. God can change the fortunes of your life. He can turn you around and he can set you on the right path. But it all starts with your choice. To say, here I am, Lord. I want to be used. I want to follow you. Here I am, Lord. I know I'm not good enough. I know I don't know, how to, I don't know the words to say. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm all these things. But Lord, I want to be used by you. I want my heart to be right. And so God today is calling you. He's calling me. He's calling all of us to give up our life, to give up all those things that we have had in our life before that we said were the things that brought us down and to say all of those things don't matter. What matters is our heart aligned with God's. To say, here I am, Lord. Yeah, I've made mistakes. Yeah, I need to be forgiven of those things. May I make it very clear to you, Rahab still needed to be forgiven. She still needed to be cleansed. She had committed sins and she would be eventually forgiven. But she was willing to be used, and God was willing to use her. Will you stand with me, please? You know, this journey that we're on, that we're all on, whether you're a Christian or you've never, you've never given your life to Christ or you've been a Christian for many, many years, you're, we're all on a journey. We're on this journey of trying to come closer to God, to learn who he is. And yeah, we're going to make mistakes. And yeah, we're going to do some stupid things that we shouldn't do. And yes, we need to ask the Lord for forgiveness for those things. But the truth of the matter is, is that we, we have to get our places. We have to get our hearts in the right place. We have to stand before the Lord and say, God, I know I've made mistakes. Lord, I know I've done things that I shouldn't have done, but I still ask, Lord, here I am. Use me. Allow me to be used. Allow me to do your will. Allow me to see your kingdom grow in this place. Allow me to see healings come. Allow me to see people come to know the Lord. Allow me to see the things of your kingdom happen here on this earth. See, God wants you to experience those things regardless of what you have done. Don't allow your past mistakes, your stupid mistakes, the stupid things you've done, keep you away from God. We must let those things lie where they lie. Ask for forgiveness and move forward. But seek after Him. In a moment, I want to pray for you and I want to pray for all of us. But can I ask you to be truthful with yourself for a moment? I know like you, like me, I should say, I'm sure there have been times in your life where you've just said, I don't feel like doing it. Tired, I don't feel like sharing the faith. I don't don't know enough. I, I don't know the words to say. I don't know the things to do. I don't, all those things keep us from actually being used from God. May we be honest with ourselves for a moment and just pray and ask the Lord to forgive us for those things. Say, Father, when you give me the opportunity, I'll I'll jump. I'll do it. 
when you bring the spies to my door, I'll help them. That sounds weird, but you get what I'm saying. (laughs) So Father, we pray today. Lord, there have been times in our lives when we have had the opportunity to be used by you. Maybe it's the first time, maybe it's the hundredth time, maybe it's never before, but whatever that time is, Father, there's been times when we just haven't felt prepared. We felt bad because we're a sinner, we've done things, we've allowed our We've allowed our, our mistakes to overrun who we are today. We have forgotten that you overcome of all of our mistakes and you make everything possible. We have forgotten that it is not us that really matter. It's you who matters and how you work in us. It's not us who do these things. It's you who do these things through us. And what you're searching for is a willing heart. Someone who knows that you are in heaven and on this earth and that are willing to be, that are willing to bow before you and say, you are king. You are Lord. You guide and direct us. So Father, today I pray in this very moment that you would just forgive us for these times that we have made mistakes, when we have not done what you've called us to do, when we have not taken those steps towards you, but we instead taken those steps away from you. When we have fallen short, when we have allowed the mistakes of our past and our past to keep us from doing what we're supposed to do today. You know, I just want to as, even as we're praying, I, I, with all eyes closed, I just want to say that I believe that some of us here in this place have not done the things that God has called us to do because we have allowed the words of someone in our past to describe who we are today. Rahab was a prostitute and well known for that. She could have not went forward because why should she? She's a prostitute. Prostitutes don't do good things. They can't follow God. Just like Rahab, I feel that there's some here today that have allowed the words of people in their past to keep them from doing what they're supposed to do today. And so I want to come against that right now in the name of Jesus. And I just want to say whatever someone has said of you, whatever you have described yourself as, whatever someone else has described you as, doesn't matter in this place. It only matters what God says you are. And he says that you are loved, you are chosen, you are royalty. And if you bow before him and you give your heart to him, he will use you because he loves you. And so today in this place, let go of those words that have described you in the past and take a hold of what God says you are today. Father, let us see ourselves in the way that you see us. You don't see us by our past mistakes. You don't see us by those things. As long as we have given our life to you, as long as we have asked you to come into our heart, then that's what matters. You see us in that way today. And so Father, today I want to pray and just ask you that you see us in that way today. See us to who we are, a servant of yours. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, then with all your eyes, all our eyes closed and our heads bowed. May you just understand that it is simply a saying, Lord, you are my Savior, you are my King. Come into my heart. I want, to rela- I want a relationship with you. I want you to be my King. I want to love you. I want to be guided by you. I want to be directed by you. When you say those words, what you're doing is you're accepting Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. You're asking the Lord, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for taking my place on that cross. Thank you for redefining who I am today. Making me your follower. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. Redefining who we are in this place. 
letting us know that it's not our past that matters. It's not the words of others that matter. It's your words and what you say about us today. Let us be as Rahab was, a willing servant to be used to do your will, to be in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's sing together this worship song.